across South Africa, online and on radio. SAFM, let's talk. Let's talk indeed. Let's talk about Formula One and MotoGP. Let's start with the Formula One. Natalie Leclue joins us. Natalie is a Formula One. Should we do this properly? We're joined by Formula One columnist Natalie Leclue. Just have to do that for the promo, Natalie. How's it going? I couldn't be any better at the moment. Motorsport is back, and that is always a very good thing. <laughs> it, yeah, it's one of those sports where yeah, you, you know the crowd aren't there, but you can't ever hear them anyway. So it doesn't really matter to me as who watches it on TV and will never afford a Formula One ticket. Well, I've been very, very lucky enough in the last couple of years to attend two Formula One races. And I've got to say, it's been some of the greatest experiences that I've ever had oh. in any sporting arena. So I've been very lucky, but I am just very glad to see it back on TV. At the very least, while we can't have spectators, we can at least see some action going on. Indeed. And well, if you're, if you're not a Mercedes fan, it's really exciting for third place at the moment in Formula One. Yeah, unfortunately, since the last time we spoke, John, not much has changed mm. in Formula One. But what we can say, though, is that we can be very, very grateful for a certain Dutch driver named Max Verstappen because he certainly seems to be doing his level best to put on a show for all of us. He could write a ch- anybody. He could people. Could, he could ask for a blank check, and somebody would give him the money next year. That is if Red Bull, of course, would let him go. And I think that you're going to have to pry him out of their cold, dead hands at this time. <laughs> All right, let's talk about it. They're in, they're in Catalonia. There was a, there'd been a whole lot of talk about why Catalonia is so boring because the teams know that track. They know every sort of skid mark on that racetrack. So are we going to see exciting racing tomorrow? I think so. Look, it's a, it's a different time of the year that Formula One is going to the circuit Barcelona de Catalunya in 2020. Normally, we see them going to the circuit in May. We're now, of course, in August due to all of the disruptions that's been going on. So what this means, actually, is that we're seeing significantly higher track temperature. Now, if you recall last week in mm. Silverstone, that had quite an impact on the racing. So it's not this, uh, uh, the same circuit as Silverstone, but there is definitely still some scope, I think, for Red Bull to do some something special uh, if all goes to plan for them and of course if all goes to plan for Mercedes uh, at the start of the race remember back to 2016 Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton coming together in that race <laughs> and on that day who was it exactly who won that race oh that's right Max Verstappen uh, uh, there was a I, I watched on YouTube Nico Rosberg does a there's a track guide before every Formula One race he takes a simulator yep. through and he shows you know how to take the corners how they what what and what the secrets are to the track that corner where he crashed into Lewis Hamilton, he ignores every single time. He fast-forwards past that corner. He, <laughs> I he, can't say I'm surprised. Yeah, yeah okay. what, a, what, a, what a sight that was. He went into, he pushed the wrong button on the, on the steering wheel that day, didn't he? He went into harvesting mode, slowed down, and uh, and two Mercedes came together, put on a good show for us. I'm not mm-hmm. sure Mercedes want to see that tomorrow. Yeah, you see, I like it when Lewis Hamilton's driving off the track, but that's fine. That's just me. Uh, I want to talk about Sergio Perez. He's back after being a naughty, naughty COVID-19 patient, and he's back up showing that he hasn't lost any form. Yeah, I mean, it was unfortunate for him to sit out those two races at Silverstone uh, and not at a very good time. I know mm. that um, he says that Racing Point are making all of the right noises when it comes to his contract for next year. But the reality is that there is a 
pretty big chance that Sebastian Vettel could end up in what will be Aston Martin next year. Uh, and it's unlikely that uh, Lawrence Stroll will boot his son Lance Stroll mm. out of the team in 2021. So Sergio Perez, he needs to up his... In, well, he doesn't really need to up his, up his game, does he? He's been consistently quicker than Lance Stroll. He's a guy who can deliver. But what Racing Point needs going forward when they morph into Aston Martin, when they bring in all of those resources, is that they need somebody who knows what it's like to win races who knows what it takes to win world championships and at this stage you cannot say that that is Sergio Perez mm. uh, okay so racing points are doing extremely well now because they're Mercedes 2.0s what will they be like next year I like to call them tracing points to be honest <laughs> uh, I think that has a pretty nice ring to it um, we know, of course, because of COVID-19, the 2020 new, the big regulation change has been pushed back by a year. Yeah. So what we're effectively seeing now on the track in Formula One is pretty much what we are going to see uh, in, in next year as well. So the cars aren't going to change an awful lot. Yes, teams can obviously improve their cars, uh, bring upgrades to their to their uh to their aerodynamic packages and hopefully to their uh, for uh, to their engine packages ferrari if you're listening please do that <laughs> so we're not going to see a whole lot of difference in terms of i think car performance next year so racing point aston martin they'll be next year i think they'll still be up there so they're going to have to be so they're going to have to have two drivers uh, in those seats who can consistently deliver the big points well they still have mercs in the back they will still okay. have Mercedes engines in the backs, and also they will have Mercedes brake ducts. Yeah, and everything else is fine. But that's fine. Look, you know, I, I I know that there are rules. That's why it's a Formula One. But I do like the fact that they are somebody competing with Mercedes. It's yeah. Otherwise, they will just run off, and it comes down to budgets. And if if there's a, I mean, let's face it, Alpha Torre are a Red Bull car. We all know it's a Red Bull car. So why even try and pretend anymore? Well, uh, if you look at the Mercedes, you know, when it when it rolled out in pre-season testing, a lot of eyebrows lifted because, well, you could superimpose the 2019 Mercedes over it. And the only thing that would be different is the color. Right. I think if you look at Alpha Tauri in comparison to Red Bull, visually, we can see there's, there's still quite a big difference between the two cars. And I think this uh, and the finer details of like the brake ducts and the suspension and so on, I think this is what the teams uh Ferrari and Renault, of course, who are of course going ahead with their appeal against uh, Racing Point. Mm. This is what they want clarity on. They want to know, okay, you're telling us we can copy, but how much can we copy? So uh, we're looking forward to to what's going to come of that. I think it's uh, a pretty big story at the moment in Formula One. I don't think it's just going to die out and go away and we're going to get on with the show. Uh, it's something that teams are going to be, I think, specifically interested in going into next year as well. As I just said before, many of the cars will be, you know, what we are seeing at mm. the moment right now. So we need to know, the teams need to know what can we copy and what can we not copy. Okay, let's talk about the reason we've got you on here, Natalie Leclue. By the way, you were with SAFM. This is Sport Tracks. We've got Natalie Leclue, Formula One columnist and motorsport mad lady. Uh, Natalie, Brad Binder, this guy just came out of nowhere. Where was he before all... No, I'm kidding. I, I do have a question. <laughs> Why is he not in Austria? 
Well, he is. Unfortunately, he's not quite doing so well mm. uh, as he did last weekend. But, you know, you don't get any points for Saturday qualifying. <laughs> he's going to start 17th tomorrow. Um, it's a long race. He's won in, in Austria before in Moto2. Right. So I think, you know, let's let's see what he can do. We know Brad Binder. He's pretty much renowned, isn't he, for coming from the back. His very first race win, I will never forget. In 2016, in Jerez, he went from 34th place to first. <laughs> and that's the day. People are going to probably not believe this, but that's the day I knew mm. this guy is special. He's going to do something special, and, and he certainly has. All right, let's talk about the, this man. He's Like I said, he's been a guest on this show since uh, when he started Moto3. Uh, remind me, he's from the West Rand. Uh, he, he's just loved motorbikes. He decided the only way to make it is to go overseas. He's, his dream was to ride MotoGPs, and here he is, right? Yeah, that's right. But actually, of course, he started out in karting, didn't he? Oh, wow. But he learned quite quickly that that wasn't quite uh, the thing for him. Switched from four wheels to two, for, to two and, and here we are. Started, of course, in 2011 in the Rookie Red Bulls Cup. I wouldn't say he did too grandly there. But, you know, the rest is history right now because what we have and what he's achieved last week in Bruno in the Czech Republic uh, is something historic. You know, I always say that records are great. Uh, and but they can be broken. But mm. to be the first person to ever do something, that's immortality. Are we are we being a bit disingenuous here? Because there were South Africans that were racing in top flight motorbikes. That had there not been somebody that had won before MotoGP became MotoGP. Yeah, look, there was obviously you know the likes of Cork Bellington. He of course did quite well um, before. Brad Binder's first win in Moto2, we had John Eckerall, but that was all the way back in 1981. And unfortunately for me, and I'm sure for many other motorsport fans, South Africa isn't really that renowned mm. for having great success in international motorsport. So it's been few and far between. So I think, um, you know, when somebody with a great talent, with the likes of Brad Binder comes along, we're certainly going to glom onto that. And I hope that you know corporate uh, sponsors also also get onto Brad Binder because yes he's at KTM uh, they're a works team at the moment but you know things can change so quickly uh, in moto in moto gp in motorsport so let's hope that he continues to get that support as well i imagine his life from from, you know, rookie was it the third race he was just some South African who had worked his way up and, and you know, if you're a, motos, a MotoGP fan you would know who he is but he's just this this nobody that's come up and suddenly won a race it must be his life must have changed especially in Europe overnight absolutely yes of course he was a Moto3 uh, world champion in 2017 if I'm not mistaken he came very very close to winning that MotoGP Moto2 title mm. rather I'm getting ahead of myself uh, that Moto2 title last year, missing out by only three points in the end uh, of eventual champion Mark Marquez, oh, Alex Marquez, rather. Uh, but I think, you know, in the paddock, Brad, Brad Binder is a very, very popular character. And to me, you know, if you look at his interviews, John, you've spoken to him before, I believe. Mm. You know, if you look at him, he has the hallmarks of what great champions normally have, doesn't he? He's he's humble. He has a great humility about him. He's an extremely hardworking. He never takes credit for himself. He pushes it all onto the team. Uh, he's a family guy, and he's incredibly... He has this un uncanny ability to deliver when it matters most. And that, to me, yes, we're South Africans, so we're obviously <laughs> biased, 
But that is a future MotoGP champion. And to come back from the crash he had the week before, it was a horrific crash, front end going out, landing on his back, and to be able to get back on the bike, these guys are supermen. They really are. I mean, that, that was a pretty big high side for him. And not only, you know, physically, it also would have dented his confidence. Mm. Like, as you said before, only three races into his MotoGP career against, you know, absolute legends of the sport in, in the shape of people like Valentino Rossi and Andrea Divizioso. And people are, who are absolutely on fire like Fabio Quattararo at the moment. So to go against those guys and not only to just beat them over the line, but to you know, give them a proper spanking, didn't he? I mean, he hit <laughs> the front and then just cleared off so absolutely brilliant for him it's yeah i was watching and i and since brad binder was on motor three i've been watching those motor three motor two races they are insane and if you've never watched a motor three race do yourself a favor because they do i have many laps 12 15 laps it's not very many laps but the if you start the race in last in motor three the start the last lap in last you could go on to win that race that's how insane those races are so, yeah, that's how we won all motorsport to be, isn't it? <laughs> we wanted to be that competitive, competitive yeah. and that close. So so you watch it from behind the pillow. So you imagine what it's like on a MotoGP bike where he knows what it's like to come from last on lap on the final lap and to make up five paces in the final corner. And you've seen him do that. The race before where he was, uh, where he came fourth or something like that. It was, he, yeah, he, he has no fear. It's, you just have to go into that corner. As you said, that's what makes a champion. Absolutely. And, you know, these MotoGP guys, if you've been watching them, they are pretty much fearless because to achieve the speeds and the lean angles and the, the cornering speeds that these guys do with the knowledge that at any split second, you know, the bike can go down and, and, and they can go with it. So it's an absolutely incredible thing to witness. And I'm just so chuffed, you know, for, for Brad Binder. Okay, uh, qualifying one is a second off the fastest pace set by Maverick Vinales. Uh, Jack Miller also in a 123.5. Fabio Quateraro also 123.5. Uh, Brad's 124.4. Can he make it up over race pace? Look, um, MotoGP, as opposed to Formula One, there's always an opportunity to overtake. He's won before on the re at, at the Red Bull Ring in Austria. The weather should hold firm for tomorrow. And Brad Binder, you know, he's a MotoGP winner right now mm. uh, after the last race. So, I, I look, I think it's going to be difficult for him to win the race. I hope he does, of course. But I, I definitely see him ending up in the top five tomorrow. Because Red Bull's a, it's a grand track. Two, three long straights or three and a half long straights on that track. Yeah, and what KTM has done, what they've delivered so far uh, in a, in their very short time in in the Premier class is absolutely brilliant. They have they've they've mastered the ability to get the power down on the track. This is of course also their home race, so they want to do well. Paulus Spargro too, Brad Binder's teammate, has been going well. So you know it should be big points for KTM tomorrow, and they will want to impress the owners of the team at their home track. Okay, Natalie Leclerc, thank you very much. Uh, quickly, Formula One prediction tomorrow. Which one's going to win, Lewis Hamilton or Valtteri Bottas? No. Well, you know, <laughs> Valtteri Bottas really has to fluff his socks, shall we say. I'm hoping for a for an open race. Um, it should be at a push. Somebody probably could do a one-stop, mm. uh, but it does look 
uh, if you want to be more comfortable, it does look like two stops uh, is going to be the way to go. So let's see how much pressure Verstappen can put on them at the start of the race. Natalie LeClue watching all the Formula 1 action for us. Thank you very much. And an interesting chat about Brad Bender as well. Plenty still coming up. Uh, not only has she survived COVID-19, I'm just having a look at her Twitter page. Uh, we're going to be chatting to Sarah Ferguson, inspirational open water swimmer, founder of the Bre- of Breathe Conservation. Uh, have a look at her Twitter. You'll see how much she's changing the planet. That's up soon.